if we can put three running backs in there, and where this pays off, of course, is fourth quarter, what we saw with Brian Herrian, because Georgia physically dominated Tennessee. And who knows, that that might be the plan, right? The plan might be we are okay being in a 7-10 to 10 point football game because we know in the fourth quarter we're going to be able to impose our will on you. And that's that's a term that the coaches have used a lot this season, impose will, impose will. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 153 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Can you really call it the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast when only two of the three hosts are present? <laughs> well, Tony Waller and I, just the two of us, sat down and recorded this UGA versus Vanderbilt preview podcast without our regular other co-host, Will Leach. Will was on assignment this week for one of the many outlets he writes for, and we'll be back reporting to podcast duty next week. But I think you will enjoy the bantering back and forth between Tony and myself. We spend the first part of the episode sharing our thoughts on the upcoming homecoming game for the dogs and the doors. And then towards the end of the show, we make our picks, discuss some interesting Las Vegas betting sports book happenings over the past week. And we make our fun office pools picks and then jump into some topics such as the best barbecue in Athens, Braves playoff expectations, and a few other podcasts that we like to listen to. So it's a good one today. Thanks for stopping by, and here is Tony and me to get things started. Yeah, so here we are. We are minus Will. Will is in parts of the unknown. I'd love to say that he's off doing something really provocative and top secret. But he, that's what he always does. He really just has he really just has another job that keeps him very busy, uh, which will not allow him to be here. But hey, it's Vanderbilt, Scott. Yeah, it's the Tony and Scott show. Tonight. It's the Tony and Scott show. So I'm having a drink for three as opposed to just for two. Consequently, I'll probably take Uber. Well, um, we are running a little bit low, so it's probably a good thing that Will's not here because th- that's not enough. No, it's not enough. I have a, well, I have a bottle stuck away at home that I'm going to bring next week. Same brand? Yeah, of course. Maker's Mark, but, yeah. You know, we, we've gone into the Buffalo Trace before and hey, the Angel's Envy before. Yeah, we're... We've done really well since we have have dedicated ourselves to Maker's Mark. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're online too, wanting to sponsor our podcast. I've talked to Bill Samuels about that. He's not. He doesn't understand the concept of podcast. I mean, Wild Turkey has Matthew McConaughey. Does he? Yeah. Do they? Yes. So he's sipping, he's sipping Wild Turkey, he's driving that Lincoln. Driving Lincoln. I was waiting for that <laughs> with his short arms. <laughs> <laughs> you know the story with with huh. with him with short arms. You huh. were in a movie with him. Weren't no, you in a movie with him? No, I was in a movie with Denzel Washington. Oh, I thought you were in. We also were in We Are Marshall. No, no. Okay, just because it was a football movie. Football movie, know. yeah, in Virginia. I'm, I'm in all the football movies. Yeah, so yeah, we're. I'm, yeah, I'm devoted Maker Mark. I mean, I like other bourbons, but Maker's Mark what, seems to be the thing. What's the short arms thing? Oh, McConaughey has, has allegedly has short arms. There's a reason why you never see him. Um, if you see his arms straight out, there it's a it's a not a profile shot. Um. I mean, I wouldn't call him T-Rex, but <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. But hey, we have Vanderbilt this week. We They finally set the time for Vanderbilt, which I was glad because I didn't understand that whole, it might be 7 o'clock, it might be 7.30. I would have preferred the 7 just because. But Georgia Vanderbilt's going to be on ESPN Network. Not Sorry, not ESPN SEC Network. SEC Network. SEC Network. Yeah. And then I think uh, Kentucky's going to be on ESPN or Yeah, I think that's playing. right. And then the other one's on the Deuce, maybe, or you. Is Kentucky playing A&M? Yes, that game is in College Station. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, like I, I have. If you have listened to this podcast or read me at the Georgia Sports Blog, you know that I have um, a deep abiding love for trying to figure out game times, um, and have done it for a long time. 
And one of the things that is always tough to, to figure out with the new television contract is that ESPN is first, CBS picks first, always, which is why we're going to play LSU at 3.30 in the afternoon. CBS picks first. <clears throat> and then ESPN has second pick for their national game, and that game can be slotted either at noon or an evening game. Or they can pass, and and they, 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 do not, they do not have to put a national game on. So after those two games are picked, the rest of the games, the SEC games, are spread across the SEC network and the other ESPN networks. Um, which is why you will see Georgia playing a team like, well, in the past, a team like UL Monroe would we'd be on ESPNU or, um, or, or for that matter, the SEC Network. Frankly, that's why we're playing SEC Network uh, at 7.30 this week because they do like to put on, it's hard to say this, um, one of the premier programs. It feels weird for me to say that even though we're in year two of kind of thinking of ourselves as a premier program, but they do like to, for the primetime game, try to put one of the premier programs on that late slide because it drives viewership. So yeah, that's why Georgia is playing. That's why they put us in the window because I think they wanted to see what was going to happen with Kentucky versus South Carolina. Um, and then also what was going to happen with, with you know, Arkansas played, uh, Auburn played Southern Miss. Who was the other game they were considering? I don't remember who it was, but you know, now we get to be on the SEC network at a 7.30 kickoff, which is great because we missed the 7.30 kickoff with Middle Tennessee State, which is why we were going to be at 7.30 against Middle Tennessee State on the SEC network. And uh, is that the one that Jordan Rogers broadcast? Because he played quarterback at Vanderbilt. I'd be interested in to, to see his take. I think it's uh, Rogers. Um, I don't remember who He's the other the color guy. Person, yeah, and then Cole Kublik. Uh, which is great. I think they're a great team. Uh, I think they do a really good job. Um, Cole Kubek is among. Uh, he's a really smart analyst. Uh, he's a little, little, little kitschy at times. Um, he needs to get rid of the hipster does beard, he, <laughs> in my in my personal opinion. But that's just me. Does he climb um, scaffolding and cranes? Uh no. That oh gosh, that guy. I'm sure he was like, oh please, just do something to make this game end. Because the producer's like, hey, why don't you climb the crane? Hey, why don't you go go interview a rock? Uh, go interview the Rock M, um, but you know they—that's that's just what they do. That's what you get. So Vanderbilt is three and two. They're zero and one in the SEC. That's interesting. They've already played all of their non-conference games because their oh, yeah, main rival is Tennessee, and they play that of the year. Um, interesting schedule they have coming up. They're playing number two Georgia this week. Then they have number twenty-two Florida, and then they go to. Kentucky and Kentucky came into the poll this week at 13 in their undefeated season. Yeah, you know, I, I put something up on the Georgia Sports Blog this week. Um, Is that still a thing for you? It's still a thing. I just decided I was going to write something. I, I sat down yesterday. Originally, I started out, and I'm probably going to modify it for for us to post on the waiting since last Saturday the WSL WSLS Podcast dot uh, com. I, w- I want to work on it a little more, but. One of the things I got thinking about with the with Kentucky's resurgence is that the SEC East is looking more like a, a real thing, right? And part of that started last year with Georgia, with how well Georgia did, the first team in uh, nine seasons from the East to win the SEC championship. Although we were still three and eleven last year uh, versus the West oh, in the, the season, of course Georgia went one and one. But with Kentucky's resurgence, especially if Kentucky goes out to Texas A and M, beats them after you know why shouldn't they? Yeah, well, I mean, why shouldn't? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's one of our games uh, that we'll get to in a little bit. But you know, one of the things that also is impressive about Kentucky is their defense is playing 
so well. Everybody wants to make a big deal out of Benny Snell. The defense is what's driving that. They're playing stellar defense, and which is great. I mean, Mark Stoops, of course, is a defensive coach. Um, this is what they've been waiting on since they hired him. What, six years ago now? I don't know. However long it's been. It's been it seems like long he's time. been on the hot seat the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, the hot seat's not very hot in Kentucky yeah. for Kentucky football, but yeah. it's kind of like the hot seat for Georgia basketball here. Yeah, that's probably a very good analogy. But he's, you know, he's pulling a Dennis Felton this year. Yeah. And, you know, Kentucky probably should be ranked somewhere in the top 20. And at 13, feels right. I mean, UCF would like a word. Well, I think polls, any, I think polls before the fifth week in the season are, are silly. Although, you know, we have to have content. So that's why you have them. Um, you know, somebody, a friend of mine, actually, a guy that's an Ohio State fan, messaged me. It's like, oh, George's not second, Ohio State second. I was like, okay. I'm not going to argue with you about that because I can't, I can't, I can't argue that Ohio State has looked better than Florida than Georgia has, and frankly, this this that's not really an argument I'm willing to engage in because it's trying to compare apples and you know bees. I don't know. But having said all of that, you know Georgia's schedule has gone from like last year. Georgia's schedule has gone from eh to oh, over the next few weeks. We have Vanderbilt. And then, of course, we go to Baton Rouge with LSU. Uh, we have an off week. And then we have Florida, who went on the road and beat Mississippi State. And then we have Kentucky on the road. So basically, our next three games are not home games. And objectively speaking, right now, might be two of our four toughest remaining games. And it might be two of the top three remaining games. So, we, but, you know, one, you know, one of the things also I was thinking about uh, when I wrote that post is, like, how much of that's narrative-driven? Um you know, I don't want to go back too much and relitigate the Tennessee game. I, I did have a chance to look at some more plays uh, outside of two 35-yard touchdown passes. Um, we held them in check so much. But that game was not close. That game was not close at all. And I went back and looked at last year's schedule where we had a couple of games in the middle of the schedule. And probably what is, that is most affecting me about the way we played the past couple of weeks is that we had a couple of games with the South Carolina game and – that's the game we played right before Auburn, right? We played South Carolina late last year. Right. So it was probably the Missouri and the South Carolina games. Um, and then, yeah, it was because it was, yeah, Missouri and South Carolina were somewhere in there. And then we went on the road and lost to Auburn. And frankly, I think we looked, I mean, South Carolina, the game, South Carolina game was a little closer, a little more in hand than. We won by 14 against them last year. But it, it was it was similar to the Tennessee game where you never were really that worried. I mean, we beat Tennessee by more. But it's kind of the same deal where even though they only won by 14, same feeling with Tennessee. There was no worries about it, even when Tennessee cut it to 12. Yeah, that's right. We played South Carolina, then we played Florida, and then we played – and we played Missouri, Florida, then South Carolina. And the Missouri game, the defense looked stressed, although we we did a good job of containing uh, – keeping Drew locked down um, under <laughs> – 30 points or whatever it was. We held them 28, right? 28. And then we struggled offensively against South Carolina and then went on the road and lost to Auburn. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why this week, looking at this week, it's important for me for if Georgia's going to shed whatever hiccups we have had the past couple of games offensively, um, now's the time to work those out. And I'm still not 100% convinced that what we saw, particularly what we saw this past Saturday against NC, is not a team really trying to figure out what toys we have and if we know how to play with them, right? You've gotten a new, you've gotten a new video game. You're not that, saying that we're still holding things back, are you? Yeah, I think we are. Look, I'm like, we could have run that out pattern to Ridley or to Hardman 
as much as we wanted to and gotten 12 to 15 yards and probably broken one. And, and once you run that play three times, you get the safety cheat in that way. And that's when you get the up and out that we, we tried the touchdown pass on that was overthrown um, or, or the one that worked against Missouri. That's when you hit that long bomb. The thing about it to me, the right side of the offensive line still is struggling. Although I saw pro football focuses uh, grades, Isaac Nalda graded out really, really high, and that would have surprised me, I guess, because the one glaring mistake he had led to his touchdown. Did, um, did he not look surprisingly fast to you on that? Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty quick guy. Um, yeah, I, and the, I remember because he was running right towards us. I remember he came around that corner, and a safety went over there, and it's like, oh, please let there be a collision because it's like, that's just unfair, right? It's unfair. And, then, and you know, to give the safety credit, he didn't try to take him straight on like Bill Bates did. You know, for Herschel Walker Day, that would have been probably a fitting little tribute. Yeah. You, you know, you were kind of saying how you rewatched the game and your feelings have changed a little bit. If you read Seth Emerson's article, I'm doing it for you, Will. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mention Seth this week. Put some out for Seth. Um, he kind of felt the same way about it where, and I think if we could do the post-game show over, I would be a little bit different on my stance of it after kind of reading a little bit and really seeing the stats and realizing kind of echoing what you just said, Tennessee didn't do much except three plays on offense. And we held them in check completely all day on offense and defense because there were also those couple plays in that fourth quarter, which led to some scores from them had that 15 yard penalty on defense, which kind of opened it up for them. So I'd I'd kind of say the same thing where, you know, we as fans, it's kind of our job to complain or we have that right to complain, but really it wasn't as bad as it looked on Saturday, maybe a little bit lackluster, but I think after viewing it again, everything's going to shake out for uh, Vanderbilt. Well, when you go back and actually look at the game, and this is kind of where I was going with, I felt different about it. The the, the bigger issue I think we had is we looked out of rhythm at times. Mm -hmm. And and we had to do with the interchanging of the quarterbacks. I don't know. I'm I'm really reluctant to blame that. I, I it's that's an easy answer. Um, but I think we were there before we had the changing of the quarterbacks. I mean, look, we were, look we moved right down the field on that first drive that resulted in the now to touchdown. And granted, it was one play, got 31 of those yards, but we just we we looked very efficient. And then we went punt, field goal, punt. Uh, and, and didn't, I think we gained in the neighborhood of 50 yards on those, those, those three drives. Um, and then that got us right into that touchdown drive to the end of the first half. If we put the ball in any one of those, uh, particularly the one that we, uh, we were driving on, I think we went, I don't know, we got inside there. I want to say we got like to the 50 yard line and, and we had a drop. And that, was the, that was the dropped uh, screen pass, right? You don't drop that screen pass. That pass that goes first. Yeah, that goes 30 more yards, right? Uh, and you probably score a touchdown in that drive. Uh, you have Tennessee totally rolling backwards. But then we came out in this third quarter. I talked about this on Sunday. We have been a really good third quarter football team this season until this week. And then we just looked like we just could not be bothered after we got up 24. Uh, to, to, to six like we just like, whatever I don't care well I guess it's 24 nothing right uh, oh yeah time. they hadn't scored yet yeah so you know the Walker uh, the Walker um, you know, if he doesn't make that if he doesn't make that penalty I think we shut him out it's probable it's probable yeah because um, they hadn't really crossed the 50 no they had not crossed the 50 um, the person uh, the personal the pass interference uh, on that drive was probably the right call it was it was yeah i mean you can keep you can keep uh, the the receiver also fell down now from the angle that the back judge had it looked like he was pushed down but if he is the the receiver has i mean the field judge has just a little different angle you could also seen as a fall down and Mm -hmm. you don't 
you don't throw the flag. Without those two penalties, that drive dies. And I think you're right. We may well hold them scoreless. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for the second week in a row, I'm, I'm, on a rewatch, I felt differently about the game than I did with my first impression. Um, that is all to say it would be very nice to come out and just manhandle Vanderbilt the way if you look at the numbers, that's probably what should happen, right? I mean, Vanderbilt has not been – they haven't been a great – uh, football team that their best game probably right now is their their first game against MTSU or maybe they're lost to Notre Dame yeah true right? true um, because they struggled against Tennessee State yeah last week. now there they, was some there was some uh, uh, they had a guy injured Tennessee State did and that probably took the breath away from a lot of the teammates in fact Derek Mason in his post game press conference was saying you know football didn't mean anything at that point because they were concerned about the gentleman actually played high school football in Atlanta. Did he? Okay. Um, I don't know the status of him, but um, he was at uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And it was it was one of those scary plays that you see every now and then in college football. So, um, yeah, they I think they won 31 to 27 or something. It was uh, way sounds, too close, yeah. too close for comfort for them. But like you'd said, Vanderbilt's only uh, 13th in scoring in the SEC at 26.8 points a game. And their defense is it's just mediocre. It's eighth. And scoring defense giving up 19 points a game. In comparison, Georgia's scoring D is only 13 points a game, and they rank they're ranking third in the SEC. So, like you said, it's the prime opportunity. I know we've said it the past couple of weeks, but this is the opportunity to get kind of back to where Kirby wants them to be, and where we as fans want them to be. We want them to win by 30 plus points. The spread is uh, 27 and a half. Uh, I kind of feel like that should have been the spread against Tennessee, and we should have a 32-point spread against Vanderbilt. But you know, it's a four-touchdown spread, and I would think that if Georgia is going into LSU next week not covering that spread, there's going to be a little bit of uh, sweaty palms going on. Yeah, you know, getting back to the the quarterback thing, um, I don't know if you saw this, but not surprisingly, Kirby was asked about the quarterback situation again uh, several times. I did he, not see that. How do you he, react? He had a much better answer this time. Okay. Um, he went back and specifically addressed the the plan as there is no plan, mm-hmm. uh, kind of that. He said, you know, when I say that, what I mean is it's like we don't have a plan for when, you know, this play then play number seven, he's going to come in. That's not, I'm paraphrasing now. Of course, we have a plan about how we want to use the quarterbacks, but the game flow dictates that. Sure. And if we, we see an opportunity for one quarterback over the other to give us an edge, we're going to, that's what we're going to do. And if you think about when you saw fields come in, when I rewatched, I didn't think of it in those terms, but there were times where it's like, okay, it makes sense where, where fields is coming in now. There were a couple of times during the game, it's like, why is fields coming in here? Um, you know, one of the things, of course, I, I sound like a broken record now because I've said this every game. One of the things I'd like to see happen is them put Fields in and let him run the offense. Just let him run the offense. Because he's only thrown it, or he only threw it twice against Tennessee. He was was one, it twice? He was one for two. Okay, I was thinking it was close. Yeah, I think that's what I said. And, yeah, so because, I mean, everybody knows this that watches football. If he's only throwing twice out of the 14 plays he played, well, then the defenses are going to scheme kind of like when you run the wild dog because nobody's thrown a pass out of that since Todd Gurley threw that left-handed pass four or five years ago. The part about it that you you want to be careful of is that you don't want to get in a situation where you essentially become one-dimensional because they're not afraid of fields passing. If you're going to make a team... You think they're trying to set them up? I don't know. I, I mean, don't set the, uh, set the opposing team up thinking like, oh, he's not going to pass it. And then Kirby... and I mean, everybody knows he's got a cannon for an arm. Here's the thing. LSU's defensive backs are good enough 
to be able to overcome if that happens. And that's where I was going with this. It's like, if you don't put a couple of things in there to show that Justin Fields can also throw the out, that can also throw the underneath pass, you're basically going to have Greedy Williams camping back on on Hardman or Holloman or somebody and just ready to, to wreck shop. And, you know, look, Williams is... He's probably the best non-DeAndre Baker cornerback in the nation. <laughs> and that could be a difference maker. But, you know, Fields right now is 19, 15 of 19 on the season. Um, but he hasn't really he hasn't really gone downfield. I was just taking a look and seeing what his per average completion is. Just seven. Well, his average against Tennessee, just he played 14 plays and his average play was 6.7 yards. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Fromm was about 5.8 yards. Nothing to sneeze at. You know, oh, he he, no. he had uh, 60 offensive plays, so yeah. naturally it's, it's not going to be as high. I remain in the, I trust the coaches, they know what they're doing here, but I think it will make us all feel better if we get into a rhythm and that rhythm works. What's your opinion on the rhythm of the running backs this year? Um, Is it surprising that Holyfield's kind of doing most of the first team running back? Well, I think it doesn't surprise me considering Swift's been hurt. Um, frankly, the way Harrion ran the ball then, Harrion had the best, first off, the best run he's had at Georgia, in my mind, was that run for first down on third and eight or whatever it was to keep that drive, the, the touchdown drive alive in the fourth quarter. That was just a, it was an incredible run. And, and I've, I've talked about Harrion and his jitterbugging this season. Um, that entire drive was easily the best series of plays uh, Brian Harrion's had in three seasons. So if you've got three running backs, all would kind of bring different things to the table that can run that offense. We become much more dynamic. Now, are they are Sony? Are they Sony and Nick? No, of course not. I actually pour, pour some out for both of them. Got their first touchdowns in the NFL yesterday. Yeah, Nick got but, two of them. Yeah, both long runs. He had like like five carries, and two touchdowns for three. 125 yards. He, he is the first. I can't remember the stat. I read it. I'm sure everybody else read it. He's the first back. To go over 100 yards with three carries oh, yeah. and score two touchdowns. And it might might be because it's his first touchdowns. I don't know. But there was an amazing stat that I retweeted. Where Yeah, he, he went over 100 yards, scored his first two touchdowns, and had three carries. And Hugh Jackson keeps giving the ball to Carlos Hyde. And well, you wonder why they're one, two, and one. Yeah, well... Uh, Charlie and I actually saw that at the Eastside Locos. We had uh, we had something to be at that afternoon, Sunday afternoon, at the YWCO for Eastside Eats, and then we uh, Charlie got his haircut, so we said, let's walk over to Locos and we'll grab a uh, a snack. And we're sitting there watching, and it's like I was like, wait a minute, is that Chubb? The second he broke the runoff, I was like, he's going to go all the way. And I was like, that guy and somebody in the bar was like, no, he's got an angle. I was like, no chance he catches them. I've seen this, no right. chance. And of course, he goes all the way and gives a little. He does the little Sony finger thing too again, so which is kind of cool. Um, but, you know, if we can put three running backs in there, where this pays off, of course, is fourth quarter, what we saw with Brian Herrian. Because Georgia physically dominated Tennessee. And who knows, that that might be the plan, right? The plan might be we are okay being in a 7-10 to 10 point football game because we know in the fourth quarter we're going to be able to impose our will on you. And that's that's a term that the coaches have used a lot this season, impose will, impose will. Um, what do you think is more impressive to you, the long fourth quarter drive against South Carolina where we didn't score any points or the one we just saw against Tennessee that went 13 plays? I think the, you know, the one against Tennessee, the one thing I say the one against Tennessee has going for it is that um, – it was um, well. If you think about it, they had just cut it to twelve points. So if you go three and out, and they get the ball back and you know have a fluke touchdown, well, yeah. then you're a one score game. Well, I wasn't really thinking about the stakes as much as I was thinking 
the the way they had to do it on third down a couple times mm-hmm. in that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because we still were not looking particularly smooth on offense. Even I mean that drive was great. Did they throw a pass in that whole drive? Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I was going to go. I was going to actually look at that drive. I was telling Rad that because uh, I sat next to Tony's buddy who tailgates with him, Rad, and um, I leaned over and he because he asked me. He's like, "How many plays did they run?" And I was like, "I don't know, like ten or 11. And I was wrong, of course. But uh, I, I then said, "I don't think they've thrown a pass." Okay, here is starting at the, the Georgia drive started at eleven ten or on twenty five. Holyfield rush, Robertson rush. Pass complete to Ridley for 10 yards. That's the, okay. that's the out pass. I was that's saying it. it's there all day. Fields comes in. Swift rush. Swift rush. Fromm comes back in. Cook rushes. Herrian rushes. Justin Fields comes back in. Fields rushes. That's the fumble that Fields had. Fromm comes back in. Herrian rush. Herrian rush. That's the third down rush I was talking about uh, for six yards. Herrian rush. Swift rush for the touchdown. 14 yards. And how much time was left when they scored? Uh, 7.39. It was a 7-minute, 3 mile drive, so a shade over 4 minutes. So no, a was, shade under 4 minutes. So the difference between this Tennessee drive and the South Carolina drive, the South Carolina drive was longer. They didn't score. Tennessee drive was shorter. They got points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we would see it occasionally under Bobo. I, I, and I got, I got to call them manhood Robin drives. A perfect Mark Rick, Mike Bobo game would be – a game where you have a, a an eight point lead, where you get the ball back with seven minutes in the game, and you go seventy five yards, fourteen plays, score a touchdown, and leave a minute on the clock. I mean, that would be you know to cover the spread or whatever. That would be the perfect. That'd be the perfect. Now we are we're doing that now again, except for we're doing it when we have twelve point leads or have twenty point leads or twenty eight point leads. And again, there's there's method of that madness, and there there is something to be said for where we think our physicality can be. For a game that was close, we still had a lot of guys get. I mean, we still had sixty plus guys get touches or get snaps. All that depth. It, first off, we're preserving legs for later in the season, and also we're building an incredible amount of depth. And we've gone what twenty four minutes without mentioning Alabama. Now it's the Alabama mention. That's exactly what Alabama's done for the past ten years. Yeah, and it seems like Alabama. Oklahoma, a lot of these offenses that are so prolific, they're putting up 50 points. Oklahoma doubled up uh, whomever they played on the weekend. Yeah, they they won 66 to 33. Yeah. That's why Kyler Murray and Tua Taga. Taga LaBoya. There we go. They're up for the Heisman candidates. You know, Will Greer also with with West Virginia, they're piling up points. You know, and Georgia's just going to run the ball. And that's one thing they don't have. Sure, Alabama has Damian Harris. Oklahoma has. Kyler Murray and whomever is running the ball, uh, I couldn't tell you West Virginia's running back, but that's the difference. I tell you what, this is Tennessee's drives, and then then will, if 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 we do this to Vanderbilt, if our defense does this to Vanderbilt, four plays, nineteen yards, punt; three plays, four yards, punt; three plays, nine yards, punt; six plays, twenty yards, punt; five plays, eight yards, punt. That's the end of the first half. 175-yard drive, which included half the yards being a 38-yard touchdown pass. 5 and 18, punt. 5 for 57, another 30-something-yard touchdown pass. 1-yard fumble, 3 yards, punt. 5-yards, punt. If, if we do that to Vanderbilt, if they only score 14 points, and that's the way they score 14 points, we score 50 on them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I think. I mean, we've seen a world where that we don't, but I, I think we do. And, and Kyle Shermer doesn't scare you. He's been there for a couple of years. He's a good quarterback. 
Yeah, he's completing 62% of his passes. Um, modicum level of touchdowns. He's got nine and a couple picks. Keyshawn Vaughn, which I love the rhyming of that, um, is their running back. He's averaging 6.4 yards a carry. He's got five touchdowns, and then their leading receiver has 480 yards, which is pretty good. They're throwing a lot. Shermer's known for his arm. Their field goal kicker, his longest field goal is 35 yards, and he's four of eight on the year. So he's kind of got the Alabama-itis. Yeah. I mean, Vanderbilt's, uh, Vanderbilt's offense starts and ends with with Shermer. I mean, they, they, can, they can run a little bit, or they have run a little bit. But you know where, where they struggle is when they get in a situation where everything has to operate through Shermer and I just, I mean, based on what we've seen out of them, um, remember they they played Notre Dame tough, but that was before Notre Dame uh, made the the switch at quarterback. Um, and frankly, Notre Dame was really stagnant up until that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And they did change quarterback the next week at Wake Forest oh, yeah, for book. Yeah, and that changed everything for them. Um, you know, their defense has been middle of the road, SEC wise. Actually, a little below the road, a little below that in SEC. I mean, Bill Conley has their defense ranked at 81st in the nation. Um, you know, that which will put them somewhere in the range of, um, you know, probably Maryland's defense, I'd guess. Um, you know, so like Oregon, Purdue, Missouri's defense. Um, we struggled some against Missouri, but we still scored plenty of points. Uh, and of course, the, the the one head-to-head game we have is Middle Tennessee State, uh, where they they won thirty-five to seven. We won what forty-two to seven, um, and probably could have scored at least one more time, maybe twice more. So you know, I I mean, this provides a nice test against a team that is motivated again, right? Um, in, in part of the season's narrative be, that can be written is, you know, is Georgia having the little span where they're struggling with kind of what they're doing and going to be able to pull out of it? This week will tell a lot about that, and which is time considering what we have coming up next. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, all right, so do you want to get into some other stuff around the Absolutely. country? All right, so uh, do you want to do the picks first or do you want to go through just some – not fun office pool stuff, but just some questions that I have for you. Yeah, let's do questions, and then we'll finish up with picks. Okay, so um, we touched on a little bit of the Heisman. I mean, this is a, Heisman to me is kind of no big deal anymore. It seems like an ESPN infomercial almost. I'm not that into it, and it hasn't really been compelling over the past couple of years. And I really think this year it's not going to be compelling either because there's one man that's going to pretty much run away from it. And the funny thing is, he's not even playing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. My problem with the Heisman is that two things overvalued. First off, playing the Eastern time zone, and second off, being offense. You know, the funny thing about Tennessee fans will tell you Woodson should have won it, and I'm completely fine with Woodson beating Peyton out. But there have been other times where, strictly because of the backlash from that, other players, more more deserving players, have not been considered. Champ Bailey, probably. Sure. The uh, Commodore Sue. I can't say his first name. Sue, um, despite being a jackass. Um, Roquan Smith last year. Roquan Smith, yeah. He, I mean, he was like seventh or eighth in the voting, but you know, he he never was going to get invited to New York without that crossover quality that Woodson or Champ Bailey showed. Sure. So, um, could you name? Um, I think this is ESPN that had the the top five guys that are kind of ranked right now. Um, well, obviously, to attack Avoya. He's number uh, one. Um, I'd have to say Will Greer and Kyler Murray throw them in That's, there. Kyler Murray's two, Will Greer's three, and then there's four um, and five. I can't believe Running I, back and a quarterback. Penny Snell? Yes. Okay. Uh, another quarterback. Yep. Um, 
Haskins? Yeah. Okay. And he nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, it's kind of obvious because yeah, it big is programs big programs and right. high profile athletes. Yeah. Snell was the wild card in there. Sure. And um, he's got 20 carries for 100 yards plus in his last four games. Yeah. And, and here's Benny Snell. He doesn't have many opportunities for um, highlights left. If he's going to win the Heisman, he has to have a big game against Georgia. I mean, having a big game against Texas A&M is, is key. Also, um, he can't have a 25 carry, uh, 100 yard game. Uh, he just can't. Mm-hmm. I, I just, there's no chance. There are too many more flashy players out there. Um, I, you know, I thought from the beginning, Will Greer, if West Virginia, West Virginia keep their crap together, it's going to be Will Greer, Will Greer. Although it's hard to say, it's hard to root against Kyler Murray or um, Tua at this point, just based on what they're doing. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think two is definitely going to be in the lead. I, I didn't get the odds on it, um, but I would think he's the prohibitive favorite. So that leads me into my next question for you, and this is just a straight up opinion question um, that's kind of been running around. At least it was big deal last week. Should teams and I, I, I don't know where I read this, so but I'm not quoting the article. I'm just quoting the headline. This is the headline that kind of stood out to me. Um, should teams recruit at least one three star quarterback every year, thanks to the new? Uh, redshirt rule slash transfer rule you know that's an interesting question and it's not a simply simple because the reason i mentioned that sorry to cut you up the reason i mentioned that is because jalen hurst decided to stay right and i think it was that was the kind of the tenet of the article saying that had he left and there were quite a few other i mean the biggest profile one was kelly bryant but there were other quarterbacks that left programs this after week four yeah and you know the it wouldn't surprise me in the least if you see some programs starting to recruit the way Georgia in places like Georgia recruit running backs that you never can have enough of them. Um, frankly, there's some programs that have been recruiting that way with quarterbacks all along, right? You never worry about having too many quarterbacks. That sort of thing works itself out. Um, no, I mean, probably not for nothing. <laughs> um, maybe that was the situation already, right? You had Jacob Eason and then you got Jake Fromm and then you had Justin Fields. I mean, that's. I think people were saying that. Justin Fields and Jake Fromm are both like five-star recruits. And how can you have two cohabitating five-star recruits? Right. I mean, as quarterback. Right. Knock on wood. I know. I think they're doing doing a fine job right now. Um, That all goes back to, okay, who do you want as your your third-string quarterback? Um, Would it be great to have Stetson Bennett still here? Sure. But Stetson Stetson was a three-star based purely on his wheels. and I haven't even looked to see how he's doing at Jones County Community College, or I think that's where he is in, in Mississippi. You know, it is an interesting thought experiment. How does this now impact programs that Milton C. States of the world who rely on teams passing three-star quarterbacks up so they can get a four-year starter or mm-hmm. three-year starter? That's not going away unless they change it in the offseason. I can't imagine. That, I think they'll leave it because it, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it because if I think that my son is playing collegiate sports one day and he's not happy – in the past, you're just stuck. You're stuck there. It was kind of like the whole um, DJ Shockley thing. I guarantee you, if, it, if DJ Shockley was playing behind David Green in 2018, he probably would leave and go and go play somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think that that's possible. I think it's possible. It's um, it it does lead to some. Look, I don't blame Kelly Bryant for leaving no, at all. No, of course not. In, in the same way, I don't believe I don't blame Jalen Hurts for staying. Um, or for that matter, in the uh, same way, I wouldn't blame Dabo Swinney for picking Trevor Lawrence to be a starting quarterback. No, that's right. I mean, you can't operate in a mercenary world and then pretend like these decisions aren't. I mean, 
like you know, you can you can look at Dabo Swinney today and say ha 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 Dabo, right? And that's fine. Um, first off, you can't you can't downplay the fact that a kid is hurt and a kid is now not playing at Clemson, um, and, and missed opportunity to show that the coaches were wrong. I think the maybe. kid that came in and won the game was from Grayson High School. Was he? Yeah, I mean, he was a I don't know, three was star. A three star. Was it three star? I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm guessing yeah. that three or four um, star. So you know. It's, it's an interesting thought experiment, and it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And not just a quarterback. I think they'll be interesting to see how that plays with line depth at schools that are in the between the 20s and the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're able to convince a four-star to come, you're a you're South Carolina. You're able to convince a four-star offensive lineman to come, and then you don't start in your in your second season. Well, you can tell the coaches, I'm not playing, and still have three years to play somewhere else. Yeah. There a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, I think there were thirty four undefeated teams. Right, it's two weeks ago. After two weeks have unfolded, can you tell me how many undefeated teams there are left now? I don't want to cheat and say that uh, you you said this the other day, but um, I did, you did say, say this the other day. day. Um, but just a quick look, I think there are fourteen. There are 14. Sorry, I, d- I did say that the other day. Uh, but I didn't have notes on that yes, the other day. I was just reading it right off my computer screen. The most surprising undefeated team to me at this point has to be Colorado. Yeah, probably. Um, Mainly because, do you know the record of the opponents that they beat? They're 4-0. Okay. And the reason why I say surprising is because it's surprisingly easy to be undefeated if you're Colorado. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. The combined record of the four teams they've played is one and 16. Oh, okay. Well, thanks Mike Bobo for thanks, beating Arkansas. Thanks Bobo for being, yeah, that was about to say, thanks for being Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Cause they played, uh, Colorado state. They played Nebraska. They played New Hampshire and UCLA. So you don't have NC state above them. I mean, as, as far as more surprising, NC State also always tends to you know upset Florida State or they beat Notre Dame. I think in the rain when when we played Alabama that year. Um, remember that guy? This is a meme. He was uh, dancing on the um, the goalpost with the shirt off, waving it. Do you ever see that? You <laughs> no, why that would I see it? It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, no, NC State's usually uh, fades pretty fast. Um, it seems like most every season. The no-wins teams, I've, I've given away two of them. There's four of them okay. that have not won a game. I said Nebraska and UCLA, which are the biggest Power 5 schools to not have lost. UTEP, nobody cares about UTEP. Okay. Um, but then San Jose State is also defeated. And the reason I bring them up is that they almost won against Hawaii, but they lost in five overtimes oh, last wow. weekend on the Big Island. Or no on Oahu that game just ended like 20 minutes yeah it did it did but um so yeah they lost in five overtimes and they are still defeated coincidentally I think Georgia plays San Jose State next year or two years or three years from now they're they're coming up on the on the schedule we'll have Chad look that up yeah so moving right along uh one of the things that really interests me beyond uniforms I'm not talking uniforms actually you know what I am you are talking uniforms I'm calling for a blackout I get after it Scott all 10 people that agree with me <laughs> wear a black. I'm going to wear black. I'm going to wear a black shirt on uh, for the game on, on Saturday. I, I really wish they'd do that. See, because my, my big thing is that I was, uh, I was tweeting with Sam Franco and Logan Booker, and I mentioned this last week, but um, the stadium just looks so good. Yeah, in that game, yeah. You know, because you saw how Penn State looked, and their whiteout didn't help them. But, um, I mean, that, that stadium was electric. It just gives extra juice because – 
Think about the Tennessee game in the third and fourth quarter. We were kind of like, huh. I mean, it was hot. It, it was, was very hot. hot. I was in the shade, so I, I kind of, you know, didn't get the full brunt of it. But um, yeah, over in the over in the horseshoe, it's yeah, hot. I, I was uh, I was cheating on Saturday because I was kind of nice and cool and rad. Now we're looking at each other, going like, "What's everybody leaving for?" <laughs> I guess it was hot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You were sitting right down the front, so you got to yeah. see everybody leave. Also, I did get maybe oh, wow. maybe that's what impacted me so much because I'm sitting there right. By, by the, the hedges, aisle, yeah. And everybody's just filing out of there, and um, straight across. I'm looking straight across at the band, and then looking above them, and there was nobody in those seats. Yeah, in, up in the three and six hundred level, it got it got quiet. Early. Was that the least amount of Tennessee fans you've ever seen? Oh, at San yes, yes. So normally, so I sit over in the faculty section, and normally. Um, you know, because you know, Georgia, the Lion Grand Institution, you do have a, a number of Tennessee fans that that work at the University of Georgia. Um, also, they have friends because of proximity. Um, there's almost always been a Tennessee fan stuck in there somewhere near me, and there were no Tennessee fans over in 121. I mean, maybe one or two. Um, couple people poking in here and there they had a real small group over by their band and the 600 level was devoid of tennessee fans uh, the tech deck was really really empty of, uh, of tennessee fans and, and which bears out considering tennessee returned a fair number of tickets to be sold yeah do you bet on games i try not to certainly not georgia games the only time i've ever placed any sports wagers was uh, when i was in las vegas and i was at the win sports book and it was hell of a lot of fun to just sit there all day and put money on games. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. I would, what I'd really love to do is go out to Vegas for a first or uh, first. You've never been to Vegas. I have not a first or second weekend for um, a first or second weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament. I think yeah. that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, if you like, if you don't like crowds, that wouldn't be fun. I have to imagine. <laughs> um, so I, I crowds are my jam, Scott. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I stumbled across. Uh, about four interesting betting lines or things that had happened. This actually took place over last weekend. The Westgate Casino. Okay. I don't know where that is, but I assume it's in Las Vegas. Bama was such a prohibitive favorite. Against I saw this. Louisiana Lafayette. They were minus 99,000 on the money line. And the reason why it wasn't any higher was the computer just wouldn't go any higher. So they were that much of a prohibitive favorite to beat Losing a Lafayette, which of course they're going to win. So, one tied supporter bet one thousand five hundred seventy nine dollars and sixty five cents on the money line, and he won one dollar and sixty cents. So I saw that article, and people and that like the the articles. Why would you do that, right? You yeah. know why you do that, right? No, comps. I, I you do it for comps. Oh my gosh, you're right. You do it for comps. That's the easiest way to get comps. It's the easiest you know way to get Alabama's comps. Gonna, you know what you do is you you max out your credit card. Just you put it on Bama. Put it put it all on Bama. That's yes. a great thought. No, it's for comps. Because because they're going to rate your average play. Yes, they're going to rate your play. Of course, they're going to rate your play. Wow. Yes. So is that what you're going to do if Georgia ever plays in the Las Vegas Bowl? You're going to go out there and just find the easiest money line bet and just put it all on it. Well, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thought. I hadn't thought of that. I was thinking like, why was the play? No, the play is comps. Wow. Also, the Westgate Casino director, and I'm quoting what he says here. He says, "Quote." A player I really respect took UGA at seven to one for five thousand dollars to win the college football playoff. I had Georgia last year at twenty five to one. How much do you have on it? Fifty bucks. Well, that would have been a good payoff. Yeah, that that did not that that play hurt. The Westgate Casino also has an, an interesting NBA 
bet. Um, I guess this guy's playing for comps as well. One player placed $67,736 on Golden State to make the playoffs. Okay. The odds on that are minus 10,000. So if Golden State does make the playoffs, which they will. Right. He's going to win $677.35. You know, that's better than a money market. Yeah, that's true. These days. You put that in for about five, six months when the NBA playoffs starts, and yeah. you got your money has matured by $677. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me it was uh, LeBron is going to pass Kobe Bryant's assist on number for the Lakers in the third game. Because Kobe never passed? Kobe doesn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to get in the picks? I do. But I do want to say one thing. Uh, we had a couple of listeners stop by the tailgate oh, yeah? this past week, including um, James Kiernan, who is uh, he's a Georgia fan. He's a he's a Kansas grad. He lives in Austin, but he's a Georgia fan because he has buddies that tailgate and right by us, the big tailgate, kind of back on the other side where the TV is. How was Tom Crean? Uh, they were not there this week. Uh, they were down at Clark Howell this week. Okay. Uh, I ran into UJ Carey at the game, and she was like, we stole Tom Cream from you. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, they were down at Clark Howell this week. I'm like, are you serious? They're like, yeah, I don't know what the deal was, but it had something to do with recruiting. But um, uh, but James uh, stopped. I actually, I was putting up the satellite, and he, was, he walked by. I was like, hey, you're, you're Tony Waller. I was like, I was like, Yes, I am. And uh, so he's like, I listen to podcasts. I just recognize your picture. And it's really cool. I didn't know you all delegated here. And I was like, you literally just missed Scott. Scott literally just picked a ticket up like five minutes ago. Um, but he came in and we talked to him a long time. He's a great guy. He uh, he has a group of buddies. They they all come from Austin. They're fans of other schools, but they are they're Georgia fans one game a year. And they just come because they love the scene. So, James, thanks for listening. And I'm, I'm glad you're able to come out. Thanks for saying hey. Had a couple other folks just stop by and, by and say hello, but uh, I had to shout out James since he's uh, not a Georgia grad, lives in Austin, Texas. That's awesome. I'm part Texan. What part? <laughs> uh, East Texas, I guess. No, uh, you, you missed the joke. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> you know, thing, think, things are bigger in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, I mean, I grew up with it. Don't mess with Texas. Things yeah. are bigger in Texas. You know, the weird thing is, is when you're driving in Texas, at least it used to be when I was a kid, You'd get on this two-lane road, and the Texas people would just pull over to the side and, and drop it down to about 15 miles an hour, let you pass, and then oh, wave yeah. at you. It's amazing, you isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, especially in West Texas. Well, we were in East, but yeah, yeah I'm sure it is. I mean, that, that would always just, just impress my dad so much that they were that courteous, because even back in the, in the 80s or 90s as we were driving over there, dad's like, this would never happen in Atlanta. No. All right. Friday night, Georgia Tech at Louisville. Louisville's a hot mess, and Tech... Got a win over nobody last Saturday. So, I mean, it's two and three versus two and three. Tech's favored by three and a half. I got to take Tech here. Um, Louisville just handed Florida State the game last week. So, give me Tech. I mean, Tech could start a winning streak because they play Louisville this week. Then they got Duke, and Duke lost their first game. They got Virginia Tech, who lost to ODU, and they got North Carolina. And then they'll rattle off a couple wins before they play Mark Richt in Miami. Uh, I'll go with Tech as well. Texas at Oklahoma is the Red River Shootout. Oh, I can't say that. It's the Red River Rivalry. You know, you can't say shootout anymore. It's not shootout anymore? No, it's PC. You can't say it. Oh, give me Oklahoma. They're going to score all the points. Texas has been resurgent after their typical loss to Maryland to start the season. But I will go with Kyler Murray, future Oakland A's baseball player, and uh, the Sooners. Clemson at Wake Forest. Well, that's... Seems really simple, right? Yeah. I mean, why'd you put that in here? Clemson's a 17 and a half point favorite. It snuck in. Well, you you know, but for what it's worth, to play that whole thing is Lawrence better from his concussion. Will he have any rust? You're playing at Wake Forest. They 
They played a decently high-scoring game against Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and when I had this, there was no line on that game. They had not posted the line yet. I still put it in there just because of the – is somebody going to wiseacre put Wake Forest? So Well, and also it gives people a confidence pick of 10 to yeah. go ahead and solidify. I'm not doing that. Let's You're not? Clear. I'm not picking Clemson. I mean, Wake Forest, yeah, I'm picking Clemson. Oh, no, you're not putting in a confidence pick of 10? Oh, I, yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Makes sense. Florida State-Miami. This used to be a huge game, and now it's kind of like, oh, wow, they're playing. Yeah, uh, do you. I'm going to go with Coach Rick as well. Interesting. I'm not going to get into it today, but one of the ESPN Bowl projections has Georgia in the Peach Bowl versus Miami. Just saying. So that means they have Georgia as the third pick out of the SEC. So they have LSU going to Sugar. If Georgia loses to LSU and loses to Kentucky, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We, no, if we lose Kentucky, we don't go the – no chance we go no, to the Peach Bowl. No, no the Peach Bowl? No. If, okay, we, lose, so if, Georgia, if, we, if we lose LSU and Kentucky, that means Kentucky this? plays an SEC Here's what happens. Here's how you get to the Peach Bowl. You beat LSU. You lose to Kentucky. They go to the SEC championship game, and then you're relegated to the Peach Bowl. Yeah, I guess that's right. Or or you lose to LSU, still play in the SEC championship, and they put LSU in the Sugar Bowl over Georgia. Yeah, that could happen too. That's happened before. With yeah. LSU putting yeah. LSU in front of Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech bounced back after their horrible loss to Old Dominion. And I don't see Notre Dame losing again. Yeah. I mean, we need, kind of, you need to start talking to your kids about Notre Dame in the playoffs. Yeah, because it's going to happen. And it won't – the, the bad thing is it'll knock out any potential of if Georgia or Alabama or some SEC team wanted to get in extra – yeah, it's looking less and less like there's going to be two mm-hmm. two teams from one conference right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with Notre Dame as well. Arizona State at Colorado, undefeated <laughs> Colorado. When I put this in, I thought I'm picking the hell out of Colorado. But after you said what you said, I'm probably going to take Arizona State. Herm Edwards. Yeah, I like Herm, so yeah. I'm going to go with him too. So weird. Yeah, Colorado's just a paper four and zero. That's why they're ranked number. They're, they're paper buffalo. Yeah, paper buffalo. All right, into the SEC, Kentucky, undefeated Kentucky. Ranked number 13, rolls into College Station and Jimbo. Texas A&M's had two tough losses. They've played Clemson and Alabama and lost both of them. They've won all their other games. Um, I tend to think this is where Kentucky's luck runs out. It's kind of like how Duke was ranked last week, and I think Duke is 0-4 is in the last time four times they've been ranked. I think Kentucky's going to fall into that. Not to say they're bad. They're just not ready for the spotlight. Yeah, if... If Kentucky loses this game, it's because they're not ready for the spotlight. The the big game. This is this is the biggest game they played. I mean, they the win at Florida was huge. Texas A and M's better than Florida. Having said that, I'm just not willing to pick Texas A and M right this second. Um, go with the Cats. I've got to go with the Cats. It's a pretty good pick. Uh, Missouri at South Carolina. How disappointed must South Carolina fans be? That's a crazy line, too, like a point and a half, right? Yeah, they're favored over Missouri. I think Missouri takes them on this. I think South Carolina's destined for a 7-5 and five season. Hey, I've said, I've said since August that Missouri was the second team in the SEC, and there's a world where Kentucky is better than, better than Florida, too. So. Yeah, and it's a noon kickoff, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. This but game is the, in Columbia? Yeah, yeah it's in Columbia. It's, Columbia in, South uh, Carolina. it's in the bad Columbia. Yeah. yeah. Auburn leaves... It's home stadium for the first time on a true road game. And forever. Yeah, they're going to Mississippi State. Mississippi State, speaking of disappointing, they've, they've kind of gone from the – I mean, I picked them to win the, the SEC West. I was trying to be provocative. How's that working out? It's not good. Um, 
Wow, they live like hot the other night. I, I, I picked them to be second in the West, and there's nothing I've seen out in the past two weeks. Like you, They've scored 13 points in the past two games. The book on Fitzgerald used to be making beach with their legs, and I don't know what's going on with him and probably is impl- impl- implementing a new offensive scheme. If they keep Fitzgerald in and don't put in the, other, that, the quarterback that's been there all spring, there's no chance to win that game, and I don't, hadn't seen anything saying that Fitzgerald's not going to start. So. Yeah, give me Auburn. I just moved them up to the ten confidence point. Give me ten. Yeah, can I get more points? Yeah, exactly. Um, LSU at Florida. Is this played where it's supposed to be played now? After they moved it, I have no years idea. Years? I, that's I. I can't get in the politics of all that. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in Florida. I think uh, I watched them against Kentucky and they looked like a hot mess. And if it weren't for Tennessee turning it over six times, that game could have been close. And then they win an ugly thirteen to six matchup against Mississippi State. I think LSU is primed and ready for Georgia. It's probably going to be an ESPN game day atmosphere. Even though it's on CBS, ESPN game day would be foolish not to go to Baton Rouge for that. Yeah. Give me the Tigers. Yeah. So make sure to get your picks in. Um, Standings-wise, let's see who's uh, leading the season so far. Um, It is Mimetti's 317. I think he was leading it um, last time I mentioned it with 272 points. I, because I have an arrow next to mine, I'm ranked 113th with 207. Let's see if I can find Tony or Will. Here's Will at I'm, 71. I'm in the mid-60s, I want to say. And then Tony leads the group of us at, he's ranked 66, 228 points. He's, you know, about 50 points out of the lead. So, yeah, good job, Tony. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, I guess... For time, I was going to skip this, but I think we have enough time to do this. Um, the last thing that we're going to talk about today is I've just got a bunch of yay nays for you. Okay, and and I'd be fine if you elaborate, but okay. I just kind of want your opinion. I'm just going to say something. Uh, I'm going to read a statement, college football related, and then you're just going to say yay or or nay, and then maybe give your opinion on it. Okay. I saw a picture last week of West Virginia's turnover prop. That they use, they have a miner's helmet, a coal miner's helmet with a working light on it. Oh, I was hoping and it was a raccoon or something. After, after I saw, like a real live raccoon. <laughs> I mean, right? That seems like the right thing. Here, boy, hold this. <laughs> I know it's got. A, I don't know it's got to be a boy, but. Um. I, yeah, after I, after I saw Florida State's turnover backpack uh, that they got, I was kind of saying to jump the shark a little bit. I'm fine with the, the spiked shoulder pads because Georgia was doing that last year. I'm fine with the turnover chain and Alabama's belt, which they've been doing for years. Yeah. But uh, so, yay or nay on turnover props? Yay. It's fun to do, kids. <laughs> well, it is. As long as it's not a trash can. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking nay, but when you, when you suggested raccoon, I'm, I'm all for it now. UGA... Ranked number two in the polls. Feels high. Nay. No elaboration? I mean, I started on the polls earlier, right? Um, The problem with polls is that there's a level of subjectivity there, and they are averages. If you were to break down where Georgia polls are, I haven't looked at the poll attacks or whatever there is uh, out there that evaluates or analyzes polls. Georgia's probably, their range probably is, they're they're not getting number one votes right now, but their range probably is pretty narrow, you know, two to six, 
uh, considering Clemson and Ohio State are still getting votes. It's hard for me to say, having watched Georgia play nearly every down the past three weeks and having watched Ohio State play and Clemson play, um, I, I can't say Clemson would be just based on what their quarterback situation is today, but it's hard to make an argument against Ohio State with the way that game turned out in Penn State, because Penn State's a very, very good football team and should have won. Ohio State, Ohio State found a one to win. That's why I'd say that two is, seems... It does. I mean, it seems high. I, I, it's completely, utterly defensible, but it just feels high. Okay. I, but it only feels high like one or two. Yeah. Georgia versus LSU at 3.30 instead of at Lord, thank you so much. We appreciate the blessings you've bestowed upon us. Um, you know, it's funny. I had, a, I had a, a, a Twitter kind of back and forth with uh, one of the LSU guys that I might, might tailgate with out there. Um, and he posted a picture of like a guy looking downtrodden. I was like, and I posted a picture of Ron Swanson dancing. Uh, because I was like, meanwhile in Athens, he's like, yeah, because Georgia fans hate, Georgia fans hate fun. And I'm like, it's not, we don't hate fun. I just like, you know, I'm all for the fun. Uh, this not fun to go down there and get your ass whooped at night. Notre Dame will make the college football playoff. Yes. Central Florida will whine and complain because they don't make the college football playoff. Central Florida's going to lose the game. Oh, which one? I don't know. I South schedule. Florida? It feels right. I'm South Florida's one of the undefeated teams, right? That's right. Speaking of undefeated teams, my next question is Colorado will win the Pac-12. No Podcasts. Do you listen to other podcasts? Yes. Which yes. ones do you like? Um, I listen to a uh, I listen to a wide range of podcasts. I listen to a couple of uh, political podcasts on both sides of the spectrum. I listen to um, Trump's America podcast. Se- no, <laughs> no, I would not. No. Um, oh, Will just showed up. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Will. Will, let me tell you about. Um, so. I also listen to I listen to serial. I listen to during the off season. Uh, I listen to I listen to I don't call it bas- college basketball. I listen to that all year. But I, have, I pick up a couple college basketball podcast. I listen to in the off season. A couple law related podcasts I listen to uh, during the off season. You got a recommendation for anybody out there? Because obviously these are podcast purveyors. You know, one of the I I, I love uh, Solid Verbal. I, I listen to them regularly as well. Um, I, I listen to the Chapel Bell Curve guys, um, but PAPN podcast ain't played in nobody. That's Bill Conley and Stephen Godfrey from from SB Nation. If you're not listening to that, just to listen to Bill Conley's voice is enough. Yeah, I mean it's it's just really smart. It, it's a really smartly done. Uh, despite despite Stephen Godfrey's uh, disdain for Georgia, um, he well, I mean, like he he grew up in Atlanta. His folks went to Georgia Southern. Um, he hates. He hates Georgia, and that's fine. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, for that matter, you know there are times where the shutdown forecast is funny, although uh, it comes and goes with me. I, there are a lot of times I fast forward all the way through it. They're they're actually better in the off season, and they're all Florida fans except for Jason Kirk who went to Kansas State. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you have room for one more, listen to a podcast and play play nobody. They do three a week. They do uh, the S and P Plus Top Twenty Five on Sunday. That's a must listen. They do a random. Um, like evaluation of stuff with an interview midweek, and then they do uh, your kind of your watching menu at the end of the week with a, with some like general trend line analysis. There are a lot of times that when it comes out on Thursday, so sometimes I don't download it to Friday, so I don't listen to that one sometimes just because I'm busy on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for me, I don't listen to really any sports podcasts. Uh, I'm kind of an AM radio guy yeah. for some reason. Yeah. It's old habits hard to break, but. As for non-sports-related podcasts, I listen to S-Town. 
I thought that was really good. It I was li- amazing. I listened to it going down to Destin and coming back. I finished the whole thing. It was kind of, I was gobsmacked by listening yeah. to it. It's funny. Couldn't... I listened to it when we went to um, Santa Rosa last year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. It'll get you all the way down there because yeah. that's a good six hour drive and yeah. you're, you're listening. So I'd recommend that. And anything from Gimlet Creative or Gimlet Media will, in fact, contributes to one of my favorite uh, branded podcast where basically a company will pay to have a six episode thing produced and it's called the secret to victory. And it is fascinating. It's about a 20, 25 minute episode. Will, uh, speaks on it. And Dominique Foxworth is the host okay. and it, the episode of Matt Ryan losing the Super Bowl. It took me a while to get okay to, to listen to it, but will suggested that I listen to it. I'm sure you've heard it. It's phenomenal. I've heard you talk about it. I haven't, wa- I haven't yeah. listened to it. The music, the narrative. It's a narrative-driven podcast where what Tony and I are doing, what Will, Will, Tony, and I do here, it's more of a timely podcast, a newsworthy podcast. There's also podcasts that are just straight-up interview podcasts. But the narrative podcast is kind of where I cut my teeth on producing podcasts. I actually produced a 15-episode narrative podcast uh, back in 2015. That's how I learned how to do all this stuff. But uh, Secret of Victory is phenomenal. And anything by Gimlet Media, Gimlet Creative, uh, definitely gets a two thumbs up in my book. All right, moving right along. Uh, expensive bourbons, yay or nay? It depends on the bourbon. Well, you got any suggestions? Um, so, you know, a lot of people listening probably think Microsmart's expensive bourbon. And it's not cheap, um, but... You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to go to the forty to fifty dollar range, I'm a big fan of Jefferson's Oceans or uh, Jefferson's, even the Jefferson's uh, is a presidential or whatever it is. Um, you know, there are a couple of really top shelf bourbons that are we're trying once. You know, all the the pappies and all that. There, we're trying once, right? But it's just there's not a price value there to me. Um, I guess if I made a million and a half dollars a year, maybe there would be, but there's just not. Um, and there's a lot of they're starting to do a lot of different things with some bourbons. Uh, Angels Envy kind of started that trend um, that are fairly highly priced that are fine if that's your thing. Um, I've come a long way on bourbon too. I used to be a, such a I was a pretentious jackass about it uh, uh, fundamentally. Um, I'm like you know if you like something you like it and that's fine. I'm not going to judge you for that. Um, but you know if I go into you're not going to drink Jim Beam though. Well, I make a, I work for a living. So, um, yeah, it's, if you drink champagne and work for a living, I apologize. That was not meant to be mean. It's just like, I can afford better. Um, but, you know, like when we go to Lexington, uh, there's a couple of bourbon bars we normally go to, and I'll try some things that I, I might not actually pay, you know, 80 or $90 a bottle for. But yeah, I'll have a drink. And if I like it, I will buy, pick up a bottle. Um, right now I have, I got a couple of bottles from Earth Day, uh, like a Henry McKenna um, single barrel, which is really good. Um, and I always have a bottle of um, um, Pappy's, no, old. Old Rip Van Winkle. I have around the house. Say old Crow. No, no, <laughs> no. By the way, pour some out for Chris, uh, for uh, for for Bernie Dog, Chris Burnett. That's his. Uh, that's his favorite. Old Crow. Yeah, the special reserve though. Um, hey. Yeah, it, you know, and if you can find original Weller's twelve year, um, that's the best bourbon you can get for the price. I mean, you if you can find it, it's normally about a hundred bucks a bottle, and it's incredible. We're probably going to go over on this next question as well. I ate Sauce House Barbecue last week. Okay. I, I tend to get it all the time. It seems like they're always catering something. We've had it catered. And 
I as I'm was eating. Was that the it, thing? Oh, that was the thing at the uh, the the Chamber of Commerce where I ran into y'all Thursday night. No. Okay. No, was this not. was a this was at a. Um, you just went to Saul's house. No, it was a home builder. He had an open house for his neighborhood that he was oh. doing. We were I was taking some drone footage of his uh, property, but um, I was sitting there thinking as I was eating. I was like, you know, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I've eaten it a lot. They've got probably six or seven different types of sauces, which I love. You know, everything from vinegar-based to ketchup-based to mustard-based and and molasses, everything in between. They do a great job of their sides. Their beans are good. Their mac and cheese is good. I don't touch the slaw. I don't know if anybody would eat coleslaw, but, you know, (laughs) teach his own. Um, So my question to you is Sauce House, and I know your answer, but I have to ask it anyway. Is Sauce House the best barbecue in Athens? Oh, no. I, no. I knew you were going to say no. no I mean, but look, that was to look set you Sauce up. House does what they do really well is they're consistent. Um, there are a lot of very good barbecue places that aren't consistent. Um, and, you know, the one thing I want, if I, if I refer somebody to a place, if they, if they're, especially if they're not barbecue affinados, right? If they're like, I want good barbecue, um, I want decent sides, I want it at a good price, and I want a fun atmosphere, go to Sauce House. Right. right there is it's 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 perfectly fine it's uh it's better than you know it's better than, in my opinion it's better than dickies it's uh oh yeah it's better than um what was the place that shane's i think it's better mm-hmm. than shane's better than any of the chains um so where does someone really need to go to get the best it depends on what you want okay. um if you want a unique uh unique like if you want smoked wings and really spectacular sides. Go to go to Pulaski Heights. If you want um, really interesting take on barbecue, go to White Tiger. Um, if you want just really good down home, like you know they probably sweated in the food, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, go to Dog on Good. Um, Butt Hut's good. I, I'm a fan of Hot Thomas. It's out out my way. I uh, had a Saturday night after the game actually. Uh, and Barbecue Shack. Barbecue Shack. Their their Brunswick too is I think is the best in town. And before anybody uh, like asks me on Twitter about like what do you mean is Sauce House the best, I was setting up the question. I no, knew the answer was no. And, and look, there are several other really good places in Athens. And if I haven't look, if I haven't named, of course I've been to. Um, what's the place out? Um, fresh Air. Yeah, of course I've been to Fresh Air. Um, frankly, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of Fresh Air. What's that's the just place at the corner experience. of uh, Highway 29 and 106? Um, that I think that's Fresh Air too, isn't it? No, no, it's further up. I don't remember the name of it. I used to pass it all the way when I would. I was covering places up in northeast Georgia near Carnesville. Okay, but uh, but yeah, there's a there's a barbecue joint right there at the corner of Highway 29 when 106 comes in. Oh, that is that's not Pasta's, is it? It might be. Okay, um, I mean, look if if you know of barbecue places in the Athens area I haven't mentioned and and you think it's worth me trying out, please let me know because I'm I'm not unwilling to try. It. I mean, obviously I probably have tried it, um, but I'm I'm willing to. I'm willing to admit that, you know, I have favorites. I'd, I'd usually go to go to favorites. Um, there's a new barbecue place. I can't think of what it's called, but I got to try it out. Um, someone was telling me about it the other day. I'll think of it, you know, when I get on the drive home and yell it out. Okay. Skipping a Georgia home game for TV, yay or nay? Just to watch it on TV instead of go? Um, I understand why people do. It's just not my thing. Okay. The Braves will make the National League Championship Series. It's interesting you brought that up because we, we were talking about the Braves before. Um, if you're listening to this because you are in the future and you are smarter than us by definition, you know the Braves are playing the, uh, playing the Rockets, playing the Dodgers. Um, you also know that Walker Buehler went today for the Dodgers, which means we only had to face him once. Um, I, they have a chance. 
Um, I'm not. I'm look. I I said at the beginning of the season, if this team finishes better than 500, it's found money. And then it looked like they were going to fade. They didn't fade. In fact, they turned it on. And you know, it's not like it's not. I, I read somewhere where it's like, oh, the Phillies faded. Yeah, it's not like the Braves won this at 84 and and yeah, 80, they won 90 games. Right? They won 90 games. Um, and yeah, that's that's the worst record in the National League in the playoffs. But there have a couple of things going for them uh, that will either be extraordinarily bad or extraordinarily good, and that's the youth. There's a world where they get swept by the Dodgers, and we look back on the season like, oh, that's pretty cool. There's also a world where they they beat the Dodgers and go in the National League Championship Series and get on just one of those hot runs. I mean, like the Cubs did a couple of years ago, and just like, oh my God, where this team come from? So if they make the World Series, who would you like to see them play? Huh, well, not the Red Sox. Um, no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know at the A's, but just because the A's, it's been a long time since the A's have been in. Okay. Um, Falcons last second losses. Yay or nay? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, did you watch that game yesterday? No, I didn't. I was, I was busy Basically, running around all day. UGA North comes down to Atlanta. I mean, when I say UGA North, I mean Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals yeah. and AJ Green catches a go ahead touchdown pass with seven seconds left. Well, considering I have Matt Ryan on my uh, fantasy team, as long as they're continuing to score 40 points, I'm fine. Sure. I mean, yeah, at some point, you, yeah, every, everybody... Do you think, it, it's, uh, you think it's Dan Quinn, or is it just the fact they've lost Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, I think they've injuries. lost uh, Ricardo Allen? Look, the offense is good enough. If you, the offense is good enough. If you have a middle-of-the-road NFL defense, you're going to win a lot of ballgames. I mean, basically, they've, they've lost three pro bowlers off their defense. Yeah. And that's and four that explains yeah. why yeah, Andy Dalton Of course it does. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle in the NFL. Yeah. We've already mentioned the fact that between the two of them, they scored three touchdowns and ran for over 200 yards. I think Sony had 20 carries, so they did about 23 carries, 200-plus <laughs> yards, and three touchdowns. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yes. Give me more. All right. So uh, we've gone way over since Will hasn't been here to, I guess, keep us in line. Will, and, thank you um, for letting us take your time. Yeah. Yeah. We, we miss you, Will, and uh, we know that you'll be back uh, for the postgame podcast on Sunday. It'll be... Uh, I guess next week will be our big LSU preview. Yeah, and, and, um, Will, and I, Will and I are le- Will and I are both leaving on Wednesday, so we will have to get it in early. Um, and I hope to do some one-offs with either Georgia fans, kind of like what I did at the Rose Bowl, uh, one-offs with Georgia fans, or some of the LSU folks are hosting us. Um, you know, and one last thing, we haven't obviously. If you're listening, you know that we both think Georgia's going to beat Vanderbilt. Um, I, for one, think we cover the 27-point spread. Um, it feels a lot like this game could be another, you know, 42-7, to 7, something like that, or or, or worse. Uh, and worse, meaning uh, more, more worse Georgia points. good. More, more Georgia points. Yeah. No, I think uh, the 40-point mark seems fitting for Georgia, even though they didn't get it against Tennessee. Um, I wouldn't expect this to be like it was two years ago when we lost to Vanderbilt. Let's not forget that. Um, and that's what the whole revenge tour was made of last year is getting revenge on all these teams that took us down. So, yeah, I think a, a 42 to 7 game sounds about right. Definitely cover the spread this week. And, uh, yeah, wear your black jerseys or black shirts, <laughs> black hats. I'm going to wear it. Um, I don't. I don't see that Georgia – is ever going to do a blackout again with jerseys and fans involved, even though I really would think that would be cool and just give extra juice. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think somebody was tweeting at us 
earlier this week about you know Georgia and chrome helmets or something. I was like, no, no, that was no, no. Charlie. I love Charlie to death, but man, come on. I was like, no, 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 no. no. Look, and and uh, just before we end this. I love uniforms, and I love uniform variations on other teams. Georgia has the best uniforms, and really the only thing I'm asking for is a black jersey every now and then. Don't change anything else. So, oh, I agree. I, I mean, you know, we we have one of the one of the best uniform combos in um, in college football, and I don't I don't see why you would play with that, even with chrome helmets, Charlie. I'm sorry. No chrome helmets. Yeah. No black helmets either. No, no, that was bad. Not great. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, Will, thank you for uh, for all the work you do. I'm sorry you're not here. You missed a good time. Um, and now I've got to call my Uber, so go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check us out on social media. We are on all of them. Well, the major platforms, at least. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Twitter is our most prolific one that we post on or interact with. And then comes Instagram. I like to take a lot of photos at the games and tailgates, so that's where a lot of those go. And yeah, Facebook, we don't post as much there, but maybe we should do more. Anyway, find us on all of those sites by searching at WSLS Podcast. Also, we're online at WSLSPodcast.com, and we still have a few official t-shirts left, so you can find them there and buy them there, even, if you're a large or an extra large, because I think those are the only sizes we have left. So we'll see you on campus all day long because we finally got our Sanford Stadium night game for 2018. Have a great rest of your week, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.